Have you checked out the MCAT podcast yet over at themcatpodcast.com? I highly recommend you do. This is the pre-med year, session number 194. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, this week, I'm very excited to have an amazing guest who has overcome a lot on his path to medical school and now into residency. This week, I'm talking to a student who has had to overcome biases, who has had to overcome his own struggles and forge his own path to medical school and beyond. I was introduced to Jeff online through Twitter, I believe, where I saw some tweets about what he had done and some news articles that were written about him. And I knew that I had to reach out and get him on the show. And I want to I just want to jump right into this show and talk about Jeff and learn from his experiences. I often get questions from students like you who are struggling with your own disabilities, whether they're physical disabilities, uh, mental health disabilities, whatever they may be. Uh, Learning disabilities, obviously a big one. And the questions that I, I always get are, should I talk about this? Should I talk about it in my personal statement? Should I should I bring it up somewhere? And Jeff actually has an interesting thought on that from what he went through, through not only the medical school application, um, but also beyond. So let's jump right in and say hi to Jeff. Jeff, thanks for joining me here at the pre-med years. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I want to start by talking to you and, first of all, congratulating you on your successful completion of medical school and now starting residency tomorrow as we're recording this. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long road. Yes, medical school is, is fun. What was, what was the hardest thing about medical school for you? Um, so a lot of people go into medical school and it's such a drastic difference from undergraduate, the amount of material that you have to memorize. I actually didn't feel like that because I, I went to a university of Pennsylvania for undergraduate and I felt overwhelmed there. I would say for me, the hardest thing is transitioning from classroom to the clinics. It's just a different way of learning. You know, you can memorize and memorize when you're in your first two years of school and do well on tests. Then when you get into the clinics, it's just so it's a different way of learning and a different way of um, impressing other people. So that was I think that was the most difficult part for me, the transition. What did you prefer well, I mean, I have—I guess you've been in schools for so long. By the time you get to medical school, I just had it down pat. I could—I could memorize and study for a test and do well. I did extremely well my first two years. When you're in the classroom, mm-hmm. um, it's more fun to be in the hospital because now you are acting as a doctor. You're—you're you're doing what you went to school for. Um, so, without a doubt, 
the second, you know, the third and fourth year when you're in the hospitals, I would prefer that. Like I said, it's just, you know, it takes time to know what is expected of you and, and how to, um, impress people and again, be a doctor, but it's more fun. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, definitely. I, I dreaded and, and hated the first years of medical school. And then once third yeah. year hit, I just, I was having a blast. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, so you, you talked about how you, you kind of had this studying game down pat. Did you go mm-hmm. straight from, from Penn to, to medical school? I, I didn't. Um, I took a year off. I did research at Penn for one year. And was that on purpose or did you not get in your first time around? Yeah. So I actually, um, and this is sort of related to my story, which we didn't really talk about yet. Um, when I first applied to medical school, again, graduated from the University of Penn. Um, my, I, my grades were very good. I did a ton of research, did a ton of volunteering. Uh, for my personal statement, I was very open about the fact that I am visually impaired. I tried to spin it that, you know, this is something that I bring to the table that a lot of other physicians can't. You know, I can, you know, really empathize with my patients. I have a unique perspective on what it's like to be a patient. I tried to spin it in a positive way. Um, and I didn't get many interviews and I didn't get into medical school. The I took the year off and the second time I applied, I didn't talk about it. I didn't <laughs> mention it. Yeah. And when I went on interviews, I tried my absolute best, you know, to, to not really show it. And um, I got in. So, you know, people will say that, uh, you know, that that some people will say that wasn't it. That wasn't it. But I don't know. It's that's how it happened. So that's that's incredible. I, I want to yeah. dig apart or, or peel apart some of what you were just talking about. So you, you applied your first time. You said you did well. Do you mind sharing your stats? Yeah, so I had a three. Um, I had a three point five at Penn. So I graduated cum laude. I graduated with. I was a biochemistry major. Okay. I had um, honors in biochemistry with with that. So a three point five. My MCAT score um, was a thirty one. Okay. So I knew that that wasn't going to get me into the elite like Ivy League schools. But thirty one is you know it's it's. Good. Yeah, it's fine. And, you know, that was about what I grew up. I'm sorry. I went to school in Philadelphia, University of Penn. So um, that was, you know, for Jefferson and for Temple and for Drexel. That was, you know, right there for them. So and like I said, I was published on three papers. I did research all throughout medical school. You know, I did the volunteering at hospitals and stuff like that. Um, I thought I had a very complete application. And when I asked about it, I called a lot of different, um, program directors and medical school, um, admissions committees. And all of them said, yeah, your application's great. Your application's great, but we're looking for this or, but this or, but that there was always something, um, you know, like I said, no one's ever going to say, well, it's because of what you have, but I find it very hard to believe that that didn't come into play. I, I want to dig into your, your visual impairment in a little mm-hmm. bit, but I first want to talk about mm-hmm. you writing about it. What, yeah. what was your thought process behind writing about it in your personal statement, and did anybody try to tell you not to? Yeah, that was, it's actually, that was a big struggle, and it actually, just applying to residency programs, I just graduated from med school, again, it came up again. Uh, yeah, it was a big struggle, and it was actually 50-50. A lot of people said, no, go ahead. I think that that's who you are. Your personal statement is supposed to be who you are. Um, I didn't, you know, 
I didn't write it like, woe is me. I tried to spin it in positive and tried to make it an attribute to myself. And then there was a lot of people that said, I wouldn't mention it. Um, they don't need to know it. You know, you ne- you don't want to give yourself any reason for doubt. Um, so yeah, it was a big struggle for me. Um, I tend to be very open. I tend to have a big mouth. So <laughs> I didn't mind talking about it. I, again, I tried to spin it in a positive way. So yeah, it definitely did come up. It was, it was tough. It was tough to make the decision. What, what percentage of your personal statement was about your condition? Um, I honestly, I, I forget now. I honestly forget. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was, it wasn't the whole thing. It wasn't 100%. It was just, I think, you know, it was just, just a part of it of who I am. Um, I honestly, I'm blanking on it now, but. Okay. So yeah. let's, let's go ahead and talk about your visual impairment. What, sure. why are you visually impaired? So I have um, what is called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, I was diagnosed at 12 years old. Um, I tell this story all the time now. Um, I was playing baseball. I was playing baseball. I was 12 years old and I just realized that I was having a little bit more trouble when it was starting to get like dusk, like seven o'clock seeing the ball. Um, and that's how I went to the doctor and that's how they diagnosed me. Now growing up, like, you know, from 12 years old and on, I actually didn't have too much difficulty. I always sat near the front of the classroom, um, in school. But other than that, I mean, people from my high school had no idea. It wasn't like you knew I have a visual impairment. Um, when I got to college is when it really started to take a toll on me. Um, retinitis pigmentosis, sorry, I should have said this before. What, what it does is um, it affects your peripheral vision and it affects your night vision. Uh, for me, I am legally blind because of my peripheral vision. But I always say the hardest thing for me is my night vision. Things are a lot darker for me. I don't, I don't pick stuff up unless it's in a really well, like if I'm outside on a sunny day, I actually do really well. I walk around and I'm okay. But if I'm in a bar or a restaurant or even, you know, a patient's room in the hospital, they have the lights off. It's, it's really tough for me. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in, in those situations, you had mentioned about going on your interviews this second time applying and mm-hmm. you didn't mention it in your personal statements and you tried to kind of quote unquote be normal yeah. at your interviews. What what does that look like for you? Or do you normally use a walking stick in certain situations yeah. and you kind of try to avoid it at all costs? So in when I first tried to look quote unquote normal for medical school interviews, it was a little easier for me because at that time I did not have a stick um, I was a little bit more, um, I don't know how you would say it. I just, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't using my stick. Um, I tried to just, you know, walk in the door, shake hands, sit down, not do too much else. Now, because now you're walking around the hospitals and you're in big groups and there's a lot more um, mobility involved, I guess you would say. I knew it was going to come up. I knew there wasn't much I could do. So, um yeah, what I normally do is to answer your question when I went on my most recent interviews, I might use my cane walking in alone to find the place. And once I am with people, I like to link arms. Um, so I put my cane away. And as we're walking around the hospital, I link arms um, just to just to kind of keep up with everyone and be social and that sort of thing. Okay. Looking back at the first time you applied, you you talk about your visual impairment and your mm-hmm. personal statement. You get you get at least one interview, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I got a, I got, I think three. I think okay. I got three. So that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Get three interviews. Yeah. During those interviews, were those discussions around your visual impairment? Yeah. So there was. Um, at that time, I've come a very, very long way in terms of who I am and learning about what is appropriate and what is not. Actually, this is another story and it kind of talks to what people with visual impairments go through and how inappropriate things can be. My very first interview, I don't know if I should drop names, but yeah, it we'll was leave at, names out of it. Yeah. Okay. It was at an institution. It was at an institution that we won't name. <laughs> and the lady was an ophthalmologist and she said it. She's like, I don't know if this was by accident. She sort of chuckled. Hmm. She literally tested my vision in the room with me. She's like, I want to get an idea of what you can and can't see. And she did like a visual field test on me. Um, like I said, at that time, you know, you're nervous, you're applying for medical school, you're, you don't want to offend anybody or tell somebody no. So of course I let her do it. Now I am at the point when I interviewed at my residencies, the, um, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, no one has any right, no matter what it is, a visual impairment or anything, they cannot ask you about your disability before you're employed. They can't ask you, you know, what you would need. They can't ask you the extent of it. Once they employ you, then they can say, okay, what accommodations would you, would you need? And they can ask about it. So, I mean, it was brought up on my residency interviews. Once I walked in and some people had known me already because I had been at those hospitals and I've grown to the point to say, listen, you know, I know that this is something you're thinking about, but I'm here. I'm a fourth year medical student. I've gotten this far. I do it every single month when I'm in a hospital. Um, nothing's going to change. I have to make accommodations. Nothing's going to change. And I leave it at that. I don't, I don't go into it because it's none of their business. Interesting. I I know there, there are a lot of people listening to this who may Mm -hmm. have their own disabilities, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whatever it may be. And, and I know the discussion always comes up and Mm -hmm. the question always comes up. Should I write about this in my personal statement? Having gone through it twice, would you recommend students avoid writing about any sort of disability about uh, about a, a disability that they may have on their personal statement? I was thinking about that before we started this conversation. I guess, it, see, like with, with my visual impairment, um, you know, automatically people think it's going to be very difficult to be a physician with a visual impairment. Um, that's a hard question for me to a- answer because I think they're – Um, first of all, I should say that with any disability, where there's a will, there's a way. If you can figure out your accommodations, you can absolutely, you know, get through med school. What I want to say is, I guess some disabilities and some disadvantages might be less worrisome. I'm trying to say this in the best way possible. Um, Might be less worrisome to somebody reading that application. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe it would be more, you know, you would be more willing to talk about it. Um, you know, after what I've gone through, I would say, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about it. If you really think that it would be worrisome to them, I would say, try to leave it out. Maybe try to talk about, um, some characteristics, like don't necessarily say this is my disability, but maybe say, you know, in, in some sort of way, talk about characteristics that you have and strengths Mm. that you have and play it up that way. And then unfortunately, you know, when you go on the interview, if they see, or if they notice, um, then you can bring it up and talk about it. Yeah. 
I like how you you spun it there and talk talking about characteristics. And I I often suggest that to students about just putting some little sliver of a hint of something in your personal statement. And if if an interviewer wants to bring it up, they'll bring it up. If they can read into what you're saying and they don't mm-hmm. want to bring it up, they'll leave it alone. Yeah. I like that. Well, I mean, because that's why I wanted to talk about it originally. And I'm sure people listening, you know, your disability is who you are. And I'm sure, you know, if you're at this point and you're applying to medical school, you are very strong. You've come a long way. And that's, of course, you want to talk about it and be open and talk about some of the things that it has given you. You know, you have a very different perspective on life and different, again, characteristics that other people don't have. Um, so that's why I would say, you know, you should be able to talk about that. Unfortunately, I've gone through it twice now where I, I don't know that it's, you know, necessarily the best route, but if you can figure out a way to talk about the things that, that are good, you know, that, that would be fine. You know, it's funny we're, we're on this side, you're a physician now, I'm a physician on this side, thinking about it. You're applying to, or you did apply to, to medical school, to treat patients, to heal patients, to see mm-hmm. patients with your same diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And and to have physicians judge you and think that maybe you you aren't cut out to be a physician solely based on your diagnosis seems a, seems a little strange. Yeah, it's amazing. It's actually the complete opposite with what people would think. When I was going through med school, my fears were, oh my goodness, how am I going to, you know, talk to patients and do my physical exam and that sort of stuff. My experience has actually been very different to where I've done very well with my patients because, you know, my disability is something I live with and I've accommodated for it. I know exactly what I need to do to get things done. It's actually other physicians and other people in the healthcare industry that give me so much trouble because I do things a little differently. Whereas I might touch something and they just look at it or whereas I might, um, you know, again, want to do a procedure in a different way to that physician who's been doing it for 30 years. It's wrong. And, Oh, he can't possibly do this. And Oh, the patient would never let him do something like that. That's I've honestly run into the most difficulty with physicians as opposed to my patients or, you know, talking and examining my patients. So talk about how you navigate that. How do you navigate your, your peers and your coworkers and the ancillary staff? Uh, when I like, just when I first meet them or when I'm, yeah, when you first meet them or, or, or mm-hmm. even, uh, when you meet some resistance from them. Yeah. So I, again, this is sort of back to what I said. I've come a very long way. I used to kind of be unsure of myself and I didn't have a ton of confidence and I think I opened myself up to criticism and doubt. Now what I do, I'm so proud. My last rotation in medical school was the emergency room. So now I'll give you an example. I walk in, you know, I introduce myself. Hi, how are you? I don't talk about my vision unless it's asked. If I need something, I'll just tap somebody on the shoulder. Hey, do you mind showing me where something is? I have a little trouble seeing that's, I leave it at that. I don't, you know, talk about it much unless they start asking. When I go see a patient, um, instead of, you know, oh, I, you know, in the emergency room, somebody would come in after a motor vehicle accident. Instead of doing what I can 
and then going to get the attending physician and saying, well, I didn't do that. I want you to come do it with me. What I'm doing now is I'm taking ownership. I'm saying, nurse, come in here with me. Is there any ecchymosis, which is bruising? Is there any more, any edema, swelling? Is there any, you know, bang, bang, bang. I'm the physician. Is there any of this? She's just my eyes to tell me, yes, no, this is what I see. So I'm still taking that ownership. I'm still showing them, hey, I can do this. I just need you to be my eyes. And I think that changed so much. Now people have a little bit more confidence in me. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. That. I mean, I've come, I, I didn't used to do that. And I think I really opened myself up to some um, pushback. But now, I mean, so what? So what? Somebody else is looking at it. Nurses are trained as well. Nurses are very good. There's nothing wrong with asking them to do it. And I'm showing that I have the knowledge there. Um, so that's how, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. So instead of tucking your tail between your legs and going to the mm-hmm. attending and saying, here are my limitations, I'm sorry, yeah. you're yeah. you're overcoming that and figuring a way around it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yep. I love it. That's awesome. When when you, uh, what re- what residency program did you apply to, by the way? What's what's your specialty that you're going into? Uh, so it's, ner- it's the, um, I'm an osteopathic physician, so I have a DO, and it's um, the osteopathic residency uh, is neuromusculoskeletal medicine. Um, the reason I chose that is my, my dream was always to do sports, and when I found out that I could still do neuromuscular medicine, which is three years, and then st- I could still do sports with that, that's, that's what I chose. So it's a lot of um, hand-on manipulative medicine. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And and obviously manipulative medicine for you is perfect because mm-hmm. it's a lot of feeling muscle tension, yeah. feeling bones, feeling joints. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that definitely played into it. That wasn't the only reason. Mm-hmm. I had a ton of other interests and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it really does. It plays in very well. It's something that I can absolutely do. Like I said, it still allows me to do sports. Um, yep. So it, yeah, it definitely did play into it with my situation, but it wasn't the only reason. That's awesome. How much did your diagnosis play into you wanting to be a physician? Um, it came into play later on because like I said, when I was first diagnosed, I wasn't completely affected. Um, I sort of always knew that I wanted to go to medical school. Um, I grew up with a single mom and we just, I don't know, she always sort of just looked up to, you know, physicians and lawyers and sort of, you know, people in that, um, higher position, higher status. And of course I loved science and I liked working with people later on when my vision really started to affect me, it it just made sense. It was something that I knew would be a huge attribute to me. And it definitely started to play into it more if, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. As you look forward on your on your career path and knowing uh, where your vision may go, what what are you worried about for the future working as a physician with your disability? Yeah, I mean it is it is something I've thought of. It is scary. Um, again, l- luckily I picked something that I feel very comfortable with. Um, at this point, I try to tell myself, you know, my vision has changed over the past several years, and I've always adapted. I've always done well with it. I think actually when I become an attending and I can kind of call more, you know, as a resident or as a student, you know, you're working, you're always working for people, but you're a lot lower on the totem pole. I think as an attending, 
I will have a little bit more leeway to say, these are the things I'm comfortable with. These are the things I'm not, you know, I can set up my office how I want it. You know, I might not have to go into different hospitals that I'm not comfortable with. Um, so I think it'll get a little bit better in that aspect, but, um, you know, it is a scary thought. I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping to just keep making accommodations and hoping for the best at this point. Okay. One of the things we didn't really talk about once you kind of jumped, jumped out of the box and said, surprise to the medical school, <laughs> I need, mm-hmm. I need yeah. accommodations. How did yeah. they take that? So yeah, it was actually really funny because like we, we already talked about this. I didn't tell them it actually, they sort of, I got a, a package in the mail and this was actually the same thing that happened for medical school happened for residency. They send you a whole, you know, contract and you have to say, I am willing to perform my duties or I'm willing to perform my duties with reasonable accommodations. There was literally two check boxes and I was like, that sort of made me feel good. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is, and that all started, I believe with the Americans with disabilities act that they have to start saying that, um, or putting that in the contract. So I checked that box, I sent it back to them and they contacted me and we got the ball rolling. So, um, they were really good about it. Actually. It it wasn't a bad thing at all. Interesting. So it was, it was the contract where they first got wind of, of something. Yep. Yep. That's exactly how it happened. I thought I was going to have to open it up to them, but actually I'm reading through my paperwork at, excuse me, paperwork. And, um, there was literally a checkbox that say, yes, I can do it with reasonable accommodations. So, yep. And then I got, um, a couple binders in the mail about, you know, accommodations and disabilities and that's what got the ball rolling. Awesome. Yeah. As, as somebody listening to this is thinking about their, their path and their disability that they may be uh, suffering with or struggling with or, or succeeding with, as now that you're on the other side of medical school, having dealt with the, the attendings that were kind of giving you pushback and maybe mm-hmm. other, other medical students, whatever it may be, what advice do you have for someone listening, maybe following in your footsteps to give them the motivation to keep going? Yeah, I think it's the story that I told. The hardest part for me was the you know the other people in the healthcare industry and not being confident in myself. Um, when I was told no, you can't do this, I started to have a lot of doubts. Um, I'm not a very assertive and aggressive person, so like I said, when I was in the hospitals, um, I I did. I kind of had my tail between my legs. I kind of um, you know took the um, took the high road. Like if there were procedures that somebody was offering me to do, Oh, I don't really feel comfortable. I think my advice would be, be confident in yourself. Um, you know, don't go doing things that you you could really harm somebody and that you really would have trouble with. I never offered to go do a surgery or something, but be confident in yourself. Don't let other people have doubts in you. Um, you know, know that you can do this and also understand the accommodations and the things that you need to be successful. I think with all of that, um, you'll go a long way. You you just, I really do think that you have to prove to other people that you are on everybody else's level. And it's very difficult. It takes a lot of um, looking in the mirror, um, a lot of tears, a lot of talking to family and friends for encouragement, but you really just have to 
you really have to become very strong, but, but it's, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. All right. That was Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, for taking the time to come on and share your story. I know from everything that you learned, you will help students following in your footsteps. The, the thoughts that you had about applying to medical school and disclosing your disability, I thought, I, I'm on board with. I don't think that you, you should need to disclose your disability until, obviously, the very last minute when you show up. And, and uh, if you're in a wheelchair, obviously, they're going to see that you're in a wheelchair. Um, if it's something that, that you need to talk about in your personal statement, obviously, you need to, to do what is best for you as you are writing your personal statement and do what you need to do, what you feel comfortable doing. But I, I know recently there were some questions in our Facebook group, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. But in our Facebook group, somebody was asking about uh, a learning disability, I believe. And when, when should they bring that up in the personal statement or, or during the interview process? And I said, why, why would you want to bring that up during the interview or during your personal statement? The, the school needs to conform to the ADA and that once you are admitted, then you can disclose any sort of accommodations, reasonable accommodations that need to be made on your behalf. And that's exactly what happened to Jeffrey, right? He, he got his packet after his acceptance and they said, okay, check, check this box if you need accommodations. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll tell you now. So... I, I'm always, and we, t we talked about it a couple weeks ago too, with, with um, some other discussions, some other topics. I would not give the admissions committee any reasons not to accept you unless you have to tell them. If there's some legal thing, obviously if they're asking you if you've ever been arrested, ever been convicted of anything, whatever, obviously you need to disclose that sort of thing. And, and in a couple of weeks, we'll have a lawyer on to actually talk about that side of things, which is interesting. But um, I, I, in, I, I, I would just leave it. Don't, don't talk about it unless you really need to or have to or you want to. You, you, you think there's some reason that, that you need to. So, Jeff, again, thank you for talking about your story. And uh, I wish you the best of luck on your journey. All right, I encourage you to go check out medschoolinterviewbook.com where you can sign up to be notified when the guide to the medical school interview book launches. As I'm recording this, we are so close to getting it into the Amazon ecosystem and into Kindle. It's taken a lot longer than I expected. I wanted it out a month ago, but it's getting there. I even have submitted the manuscript to the publisher who's publishing the book for release next year in bookstores, but it will come out in Kindle as soon as possible. So right now is obviously the perfect time as we're recording this. It is the beginning of August when interviews are starting. I'm starting to do mock interviews with students. If that's something you think you're interested in, you can go check out how you can do mock interviews with me. Just go to the Medical School HQ net website and click on our services and you'll see everything there. So a couple places for you to get information on mock interviews. I want to take a second to thank 
two students that have left amazing reviews for us. We have one from Is New York Is New York? I'm assuming that is what that means. Who says, excellent, thank you very much. Very much needed, can't do it without your podcast. Well, you could, it just might be a little bit harder. We have another one that is from the Vegan Pre-Med, which is awesome because I'm vegan now, that says, love it. Listening to this podcast has given me confidence in the application process. I hope to hear from more doctors talking about their actual practices in different areas of medicine in the future. Vegan Pre-Med, you must be reading my minds because uh, hopefully in the near future, we are planning on having a completely separate podcast dedicated to different specialties. So hopefully we'll bring that to you soon. And one more here from, um, I have no idea what that is. It says, Eric, maybe, 213, excellent, trustworthy resource. I absolutely love this podcast. Didn't write a review until I figured out what the website that must not be named is, though. (laughs) Thankfully, you said its name in one of your podcasts. So here's a well-deserved five-star rating. Obviously, the website that must not be named will remain nameless. All right. Thank you for those reviews. If you want to leave us a rating interview, you can do that at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. We greatly appreciate all the support that you give us. I wouldn't be here every week if it wasn't for you giving us that positive feedback. On that note, I'll wrap up here. And always, I let you know that I hope you join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast. Did I mention go check out the MCATpodcast.com?